Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. That we are gonna, we are gonna jump into our message today. Um, over the last two weeks, Pastor Josh and I just really wanted to share with you just some of, maybe some of the difficult uh, passages in Scripture, some of the difficult things that are said in the Word of God that just kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit and say, all right, that doesn't totally make sense to me. And, and last week, Pastor Josh did a great job sharing with you just one of Jesus's really difficult statements that he shares about, you know, if you don't hate your mother and father and even your own life, you can't be my disciple. And, and really, he, he kind of unpacked about how God doesn't want to be second place to anything in our lives. God, God always wants first billing, you know, in, in when, it, when it comes to, to our lives. And he, he really desires to be first. Well, today, I'm going to share with you a, a, a scripture that is really, uh, I'll, I'll say it has perplexed me. That's the word I'll use. It's perplexed me for almost two decades. I, I got saved when I was 18 years old. I've been, uh, I'm 38 now, so I've been a believer for uh, 20 years. And this, this has always been a, a passage that has always struck me as saying, God, this I get what you're saying, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I'm hoping to, uh, to share with you and, and hopefully unpack with you guys a little bit of, of what God is trying to say here. And, and so where we're going to be starting is actually in Jesus's little brother. If, if you didn't know, Jesus's little brother wrote a book of the Bible. It's called James. It's towards the end of, of the New Testament. And James comes right out of the bat, right out of the gate. He, and, and I'll tell you, James, he, he addresses this letter to the 12 tribes that are scattered among all the nations. So, so like Paul, when he wrote a lot of his letters, he wrote them to specific churches addressing some specific things. James's letter is not to a specific church. James, James's letter is actually to believers who are scattered throughout the world. And, and honestly, I, I believe it's, it's, a very, um, it's a very relevant uh, book for us today. Very, very practical. And so James comes right out of the bat swinging with, with this difficult statement in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I put it on your sermon notes so you can read it along there. And so James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And, and it's that first sentence that just kind of, just always kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like consider, not, not just consider it joy, consider it pure joy when you're going through trials of many different kinds. And, and you're thinking, seriously? Like, like, like James, you, I like James, I know, I know Jesus was your brother. I know, you know, like you, you saw him on the cross. I, I, I get it, but consider it pure joy when you're facing trials of many different kinds. And, and, and I don't know about you, but when I'm facing struggles and trials and suffering and pain, I don't consider it a joy, like ever. 
I don't think anybody in the room does. No, I don't think anybody in the room here would say, man, I just love it when the bottom drops out and stuff just goes wrong. No, no, nobody does. And, and in fact, if, 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 if we're honest, I mean, we're all believers in the room. If we're honest, I don't think a lot of us, not only do we not consider it joy, but a lot of us kind of grumble along the way. Like when, when, when bad things are happening to us, when we're going through suffering or, or difficult times, not only are we not rejoicing in that fact, we're actually going the opposite direction, saying, God, what gives? This stinks. I hate this. Like, ugh. Like, am I, am I the only one in the room that thinks that way? When, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm, <laughs> I'm, glad I'm not. That, that, that I, don't, I don't think any of us rejoice in the fact when we have struggles, when we're going through suffering and difficulty and, and hard times. And, and, and the, the fact of the matter is this. We spend most of our lives doing everything we can to try to avoid pain. Not, not only do we not rejoice when pain comes, we try everything we can to try to not have to deal with it at all. Um, I, I, as I was doing some, some research for, for this message today, I, I looked up the, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, said that in 2017, a record number of pain relief prescriptions were written. So, so and, and just think about this. This isn't even just all pain relief prescriptions. This is just opioid pain relief prescriptions. That There were 267 million prescriptions written for opioid pain medications this, this just in 2017. Like we, we, we try everything we can to try to avoid pain at all, at all costs. You know, like, uh, it, is there anybody in here who hates going to the dentist? All right, yeah, like, yeah, thank you. Like, we'll avoid going to the dentist at all costs until it's unbearable or your wife calls and makes an appointment for you and forces you to go. Like, none of us like to, none of us like to do it or, or deal with it, you know, or, or, or we'll kind of avoid difficult conversations and difficult situations. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to have that talk. I don't want to talk to this person about that. It's going to kind of stir up some things. It's going to make things uncomfortable. Uh, I, I mean, like literally we, we've, we all do everything we can to try to avoid pain at all costs. And if you've ever been wronged, I mean, like, I, I mean, like, think of all the billboards and the commercials for lawyers that if you've experienced any kind of pain, if anybody has done anything to you, there are millions of lawyers out there that are going to help you get paid what you deserve, right? I, I mean, like, not only do we avoid it, but then, all right, we, we expect to be compensated when, when we do have to go through some kind of pain or, or trial and, and all that. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this, if, if you examine your own prayer life, by the way, and I'll just be honest with you, as I examine my own prayer life, what do most of my prayers center around? Making my life more comfortable, right? Like mo most of my prayers, if I'm honest, are, all right, God, I, I want you to, to, to work out this thing with, with, with my kids, with my job, with my car, with, with my home, with my marriage. Like most of my prayers are concerned about me and making my life more comfortable. And, and, and the... Here's the thing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I, I don't think, we're, we're not masochists in the room. We're, we're not looking around saying, all right, God, where, where's some kind of trial? Where's some kind of pain? I just can't wait for it. Bring it on. Like, none of us are that way. No, of, of course, we, we should try to avoid, uh, avoid pain, avoid the, those trials. But, but what I do want to share with you is, is, I guess, just a couple thoughts about 
just the nature of, of suffering, the nature of pain and trials and all that, and then kind of unpack a little bit what I think James might be talking about here. So, so as, I, as, as I kind of was praying about this and, and studying and thinking about sharing this message with you guys today, I, I really kind of feel like there's three kind of, three types, three kinds, three kind of categories of, of suffering and trials that we go through. So number one, you can write this down. The first one is consequences for our decisions. Sometimes we go through trials and things that are just consequences for the decisions that we've made. All right, it, it, it's, it's you know, just the, the natural order of things, the natural consequence for some of the, the things you decide. And, and, and so let me give you some examples. Like if you are always maxing out your credit cards on things you don't need and you're eating out five nights a week and you're never saving any money, like the financial hardships that come your way, it's not an attack from Satan. It's not God punishing you. It's just kind of the consequence of some of the decisions that we've made, right? Does that make sense to everybody? Like not, not everything that happens is an attack. There are some things that we go through, some trials and, and some difficulties, some suffering that we deal with that are just our own fault, if, if we're honest. Like we, we look at our lives and say, man, I should not have done that. And now I'm kind of reaping what, what I sowed there. In fact, that's what I want to share with you is Galatians 6 verse 7 says this. It says, Paul, Paul writes, he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And, and so what Paul is saying is, you know, he's saying, you know what? What you, what you sow into the ground, you, you will reap that. Like there are just some consequences for the decisions that, that we make. And that's just part of the, the life that, that we live, part of the world that we're living in. Number two, the second kind of category is correction for our disobedience. And I, and I want to be careful sharing this, with, with this one with you. It's correction for our, for our disobedience. Now, now let, me, let me kind of share with you this caveat. This is not out of retribution or God being angry with you. All right, so somebody in the room needs to hear that today. God is not angry with you. God isn't trying to even the score. He's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to give you what's coming to you. That's not it at all. But there is sometimes where correction does come when we've been disobedient to the word of God. And it's not out of a heart of vindictiveness. It's not out of a heart of, like I said, retribution. It's in an effort to draw you back to him. When, when God allows certain things in your life, certain trials and struggles and, and suffering to happen in your life because of disobedience, it's not to get even with you. It's in an effort to draw you back closer to him. Um, I, if, if any of you, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of you in the room are parents or had parents. I hope everybody had parents. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you, that, that's the heart of parenting, when, when you're having to correct and when you're having to discipline your child, I, and, and I'll just kind of give you this for free, if you're disciplining your child and you're trying to get even with them, that's bad parenting. I, I, I'll, I'll just, I'm just going to tell you that. that. That's not the heart behind discipline. That's not the heart behind correction. The heart behind correction or disciplining your child is because you recognize there's something that's off in their life and you want to bring them back to that place. Uh, of, of safety and security, uh, of being in, in right relationship with you, right relationship with God. And, and I'll tell you, the, the same is true with God. Just as, as we 
correct and discipline our kids when they get off base, God does that in our life sometimes too. And it's not pleasant. Nobody, nobody likes being corrected. Like my kids have never thanked me for spanking them, ever. And I don't expect they ever will, right? Because nobody likes it. Nobody likes correction. Nobody likes discipline when it happens. But sometimes correction is necessary to help bring us back to our senses, bring us back to that spot we need to be in. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you that same is true for God. He's not trying to be vengeful. He's not trying to punish you. But there are times when we've been disobedient, when we've walked outside of the will of God, he will allow things hap- to happen in our life in an effort to draw us back in. D- does that make good sense to everybody here? And, and, and so I want to share with you Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. And, and I tell you, Solomon wrote this, the wisest man who ever lived, and so I think we should probably heed this and pay attention to it. And he says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. And so what Solomon is saying here, he said, when correction comes your way, when God allows some things to happen in your life because you've stepped outside of the will of God, don't, don't be angry. Rejoice in that fact. Rejoice in the fact that you have a God who loves you so very much that he's willing to do whatever it takes to bring you back into right relationship with him. And then the third one, the third kind of category of suffering, the third category that, that we have here, and this is the one that is the most difficult. It's the most difficult to understand. It's the most difficult to wrap our heads around is just the results of living in a fallen world. The results of living in a fallen world. And, and this is the one that just really stinks the most because this is, these, these, these are the, the things that happen to your life. These are the things where there's no real explanation as to why. The, the whole question, you know, and, and, and people have wrestled with this question for thousands of years. Why do good things, or why, excuse me, why do bad things happen to good people? And some of that is just the result that we live in a fallen world. There's not always an explanation. There's not always a reason why some things happen to us other than the fact that we are just living in that fallen world. And, and a lot of times when we look, because when, when we look and, and, and we're going through a trial, when we're going through something that's happening in our life, the bottom has fallen out, whatever it might be, we want to know why. God, why is this happening? What, what, why is this taking place? Why am I going through this? And, and it doesn't make sense. And, and I'll tell you, this one also doesn't make sense to other people either. Like people who, who are kind of watching you go through your trial or, or your situation or your hardship, whatever it might be. Like I, I, th- I think of Job and, and his friends. Like jo- if you know the, the story of, of the Old Testament story of Job, like he had calamity upon calamity upon calamity happen in his life. Like all, all 10 of his kids died. All, all of his livestock were, were stolen or, 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 or killed. He, he had boils all over his skin. I'm like, his, his life was a wreck. And, and all of a sudden, you know, he, he had three friends. They, they came and they came to visit him. And, and when they came and they saw the situation that Job was in, they literally were speechless. The Bible says they were speechless for a week. They, they literally couldn't say anything for seven days. And, and Job probably would have preferred that because once they started to open their mouths, they only made things worse. 
you know, like they, they couldn't make sense of it, saying, all right, Job, all these things are happening to you. You must have done something wrong, all right? You must have done this in order for all this stuff to start happening to you, all right? If only you had not done that, well, then you wouldn't be going through this, what you're dealing with right now. And that's actually not the case if you read the story of Job. Job was a righteous man. He was blameless. That he, he, none of the things that happened in Job's life were because Job was off base. But, but I tell you, Job's friends, they were quick to point the finger. They were quick to say, hey, you know what, Job? Obviously, you have some issue in your life that's causing this to happen. And, and just a, a, a total side note for everybody, this one is, is also just free. Um, don't be Job's friends. Like, if, if, you're, if you know somebody, you have a family member or a friend or somebody who's going through an issue or something in their life, you don't have to offer an explanation. You don't have to try to make sense of it. You don't have to try to explain why you think it's going on and what they need to do about it. Sometimes, guys, and I'll, I'll tell you this, sometimes your presence is all they need. Just, just knowing that you care. Just knowing that you are there for them. They, they, they need your presence and your care more than they need your explanations. Total side note here. But, but because suffering in our mind, it doesn't make sense. All right, we, we like formulas. All right, I, I've told you guys this before. I was a math and science guy. We love formulas. We love to know, all right, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And life doesn't always work out that way. It, it doesn't work that way at all. There, there's going to be sometimes that things happen in your life that aren't your fault, that you didn't do anything to cause. It's just part of living in a fallen world, and there's no real explanation at all, and that stinks. It just stinks. Nobody likes it. it it's awful. It's heartbreaking. You're saying, God, I, this doesn't make sense. Why am I having to go through this? And, and I'll tell you, Jesus even, he addressed this a little bit too. Um, in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, I want to read this to you. He says, about this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate, he was the, the governor, he was kind of the, the ruling authority in, in this area at the time, that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people in Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18? who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. What Jesus is saying is, you know what? Those that were murdered by Pilate, those that had that tower fell on them, it wasn't because they were these awful, horrendous sinners that they just had it coming to them. Jesus is saying, you know what? Sometimes bad things are going to happen to good people. Sometimes it, it's just the, the nature of, of the world we live in, and it's hard. It's hard to make sense of that because it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it, it's, it's, and, and I'll, I'll say it like this. When, when you're going through that, when you're dealing with one of those times where stuff is happening in your life and you can't seem to make any sense of it, and it doesn't make, you know, you, you, you're trying to understand why, there's typically one of two responses that we have. One of them is we can actually pull farther away from God where we can say, all right, I'm sure we, maybe this has been part of your story. Maybe you know people like this. Um, I'll be honest with you. This was my mom's story where my mom got breast cancer when she was actually my age. She was 38. 
got breast cancer and kind of said, all right, God, if you're so good, why would I have gotten cancer? I'm out. And, and walked away. And, and I, I, know, I know a number of people like that, that when stuff happened in their life through no fault of their own, they just kind of said, all right, God, I'm, I'm done. And they walk away. Or, the, and this is the preferable option, is that we're going to take those opportunities that when those things happen, when those calamities come and when that suffering does take place, that we're actually going to be running to God and embracing him in that moment and not running away from him. That, that's what God's heart is, always, is, is to draw you closer to him, especially in your time of, of hurting. And so, so I want to go back to James for just a few minutes and really kind of talk about, all right, so what, is, what does this actually look like? Like, how, how, do we, how do we consider it pure joy when we are going through trials of, of many different kinds? And, and like a lot of things in our life, it comes down to perspective. It comes down to the lens by which we're viewing the things that are going on in our world. And, and, and I'll tell you, it, 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 sometimes it's hard to get the right perspective, but I wanna, I, I'm trying to hope, I hope my prayer for you, excuse me, is to, hope, is to shape kind of the lens, you're, the way that you kind of view the trials and the issues that, that you're facing and dealing with in your life. So there's really kind of three main ways that I feel like we can respond when suffering happens in our life. So letter A, I want you to write this down, is I want you to understand that suffering is part of the human condition. Suffering is part of the human condition. We, we actually kind of talked about that just a, a few minutes ago. And John even, or excuse me, Jesus even states this in John's gospel. You know, he, he said, you know what, there, there's going to be stuff that happens. It, it's just part of the human condition. He, he was talking to his disciples in this passage I'm going to share with you and really kind of laying out for them. He's kind of letting them know, hey, guess what? You guys are going to be dealing with some stuff coming up and it's not going to be very nice. It's not going to be, be very pleasant at all, that you're going to have to endure and go through some things. And so John 16, verse 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So what he's saying is, all right, I'm letting you know you're going to be facing some things that are coming up in, in your world. But I want you to know, I want you to have peace in this. In this world, you will have trouble. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be issues. There's going to be problems that happen. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Now that's good news right there. Jesus is saying, he, he's saying, you know what? There's going to be hardships. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be things that you hate and you don't like having to go through. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And, and, and hear this, guys. If Jesus is telling his disciples this, his closest friends, his closest confidants, that they're going to be going through trials and stuff, we can be pretty sure that that's going to apply to us as well. They're, they're inevitable. And, and so I, I, one of the, I think one of the greatest falsehoods that, that Christians believe and that maybe we've all been guilty of, maybe not intentionally sharing this with people, but you know, we tell people, hey, we, when you come to Christ, all of a sudden things are just going to work out. Everything's just going to be better when you come and you put your faith in Jesus. And, and you know what? I wish that was the case, but that's not scriptural. That, that's, that's not in the Bible, all right? Now, your ability to make it through some of those things, absolutely. But just giving your life to Christ, becoming a Christian, does not automatically make everything work out for you. Pain and suffering is always going to be with us, but the good news is it doesn't last forever. The pain and suffering that we go through 
it doesn't last forever. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, for his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. You know, that, that the things that you face and deal with and are going through, they're temporary. And it might not seem like it in the minute or at the moment, but it is temporary. It is, it will not last forever. I, I, I guess I want you to reject the falsehood that says, all right, you know, if I, was, if I was a good Christian, if I was a good believer, if only I had prayed more, read my Bible more, given more to the church, come to church more, whatever it would be, well, then all these things would, would work out. That's a works-based theology, and that is not what Scripture teaches at all. That sometimes bad things do happen to us. Going through pain is part of being human. Letter B, I want you to write this down, is I want you to understand that God is more concerned with building my character than preserving my comfort. God is more concerned with building my character than preserving my comfort. Now, don't misunderstand me. God is concerned about your comfort. He doesn't want you going through pain. He doesn't want you having to, to endure any of that. that. That's not it at all. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about the pain or the discomfort or the hurt or the suffering that you might be dealing with. He actually does. But I want you to know that your comfort is not his highest concern, though. He cares for it, but it's not his, it's not his highest concern. And let me give you an example. My, my wife, she homeschools our four kids. She's, she, my wife is my hero, let me tell you this. Like, she, 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 she teaches our first grader up through our seventh grader. She teaches four different grades, does an absolutely amazing, phenomenal job. I love my wife to death. And, and if they're doing a writing assignment, it's inevitable that one of the kids are going to come up and say, Mom, can you help me? How do I spell zoological? All right? Now, are there any teachers in the room that have ever come up and had kids ask you, hey, how do I spell X, Y, Z? And, and you know what? It would be really easy to just say, oh, here, let me tell you, and I'll just give it to you and tell you how it's spelled. But that's not what a good teacher does. That's not what my wife does. She'll say, well, you know what? Grab a dictionary. Let's look it up. Let's find out. I'm going to have you work for it. All right, and 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 she's not, and 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 obviously my kids' response is, "Mom, can't you just tell us? Like, I, 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 if I don't, I don't, I don't want to look it up. Just tell me how to spell it, and we can get this over with." But my wife knows something. My my wife knows something that that my kids aren't seeing in the moment, and, and that's that their their momentary struggle that they're going through is going to pay off in the end. If I just give you every single answer, if you don't ever have to work for something, if you don't ever have to struggle through something, even though it's uncomfortable and frustrating, I, I know that there's going to be some, some deficiencies that you're going to have in, in your life. And, and, and so what my wife is trying to do and what, what any good teacher like that is trying to do, they're trying to draw something good out of you. They're trying to say, yeah, you know what? I could give you, I could fix this in an instant. I could take care of it for you. You wouldn't have to struggle. You wouldn't have to go through it. But I know, I know there's some things in your life you're going to have to, you're going to, have to be prepared for. You're going to have to, to have that, that perseverance. And, and you know, as a parent, we all hate seeing our kids struggle. No parent likes to see their kids hurting. No kid likes to see their parents struggling or going through, through issues and trials. None of us do. But if we never allowed them to experience pain at all, if we never allowed them to experience wrestling through something, what, what kind of person would they grow up to be, right? I mean, it, it's, in some ways, it's almost like tying your shoes. Like, if, if, 
like if anybody who's taught your kids how to tie your shoes, you know how frustrated they get because they just can't get it to work right. And you could do it for them. You could do it for them. But who wants a 27-year-old growing up who doesn't know how to tie their shoes? Like, ladies, would anybody want to marry a man who at 27 couldn't tie his shoes? Well, of course not. Like, we know that there are times where God, God's saying, you know what, I... I I, I don't like that you're having to go through this, but I want you to wrestle through it. I want you to, I want you to work through it. James, you know, going back to our, our passage from James, James 1, verses 3 and 4, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What, what, what James is saying there, he, he's saying, you know what? Those difficult things that you're going through, ultimately, it's going to be good for you. Now, it might not seem like it. That might seem like a big stretch. I'm asking you just to kind of take it on faith at the moment. But those things that you're going through ultimately will be good for you in the long run. And, and I think you would probably agree with that. If you think back on your life for a little bit, think about those pivotal moments in your life that have really shaped who you are. Those, those, I mean, we all have them. We all have some of those pivotal times that really kind of shaped our character, shaped who we are today. I would be willing to bet that a lot of those were very difficult times in your life. There was a lot of times that, that those difficult times that, that have, shaped, have helped shape who you are today. And no, at the moment, you would never want to go through that. You're looking back, you'd say, man, that was awful. I hated that. It was miserable. But as you look back, and say, but I wouldn't change it. I'm glad that I went through it. I'm glad that God saw me through this issue. God saw me through this situation because I'm stronger on the other end because of it. And that's what James is trying to say there. He's saying, you know what? That, uh, that you are gonna be mature and complete and not lacking anything. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be mature believers. He wants us to be complete. He doesn't want us to be lacking anything. And so sometimes we're gonna go through issues and struggles because God is trying to work something out in us. And, and, and just kind of a, a, a side note for this, I'll just tell you, a lot of the, the struggles and those difficulties and those suffering that you go through, God uses those things in your life to then use you to bless somebody else who's going through a very similar situation. That God, God brings you through trials to be there for somebody else who's going, going through a very similar trial. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 through 5 says that. Paul writes, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ, that your pain never goes to waste. I want you to hear that. Your pain never goes to waste. God will always use it to grow and develop your character and also help you help somebody else go through their trial and their difficulty as well. And this is the last one, letter C, and we're gonna, we'll, I, this is the last part I wanna share with you, is I want you to understand that God's heart is drawn to those who are hurting. God's heart is drawn to those who are hurting. And this is the key part of, of this message I want to share with you guys today. And I could literally share dozens of scriptures with you that talk about this. I'm going to share with you just three of them. Psalm chapter 34, 34 verses 17 through 19. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. 
He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Somebody needs to hear that today. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. God is close to the brokenhearted. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds talking about Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looked at at those around him and his heart was broken for them because they were harassed. They were helpless. God said, my my heart is breaking for you. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And again, I, I could share with you dozens and dozens of scriptures that talk about how God's heart is drawn to those who, who are hurting. And, and I want you to know this, that if you're suffering and you're hurting and you're going through trials of many different kinds, you can rejoice because God is right there with you in the middle of the trial. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it. I, I fully admit that and I will give that to you. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Sometimes you look around in the trial and the bottom has dropped out and say, God, where in the world are you in this? And you don't always see him. But God's promises are true. His promises are yes and amen. If he says he is close to the brokenhearted, when I'm brokenhearted, I know that he's close to me. And you can rest assured in that same thing too. That when you're in that fiery furnace, that Jesus is right there with you. He's that, he's that fourth person in, in, in the fire. And, and, and I guess I want to share this with you. Think, think for just a minute. Think of the ministry of Jesus. Who were the people he ministered to? Who were the people that Jesus spent time with? Who were the people that he was drawn to? It was the people that were at the end of their rope, who had no other, no other alternative, had nowhere else to go, had nothing that they could do for themselves, who were brokenhearted, who, who were a mess, Those are the people that Jesus healed. Those are the people that Jesus reached out to. Those are the ones that he ministered to. You guys have heard me say this before, if if you've heard me speak. One of of my favorite authors is uh, Eugene Peterson. Just brilliant, brilliant man. Love love him. And he said something that was so profound, and I want everybody in here to hear this. He says, God does not explain suffering. God, God doesn't explain suffering. He doesn't always tell you the why but he surrounds it. Think of, that, think of that for a moment. God doesn't explain suffering to us. He doesn't always explain why, but he surrounds it. He's, he's right there in it with you when you are going through that. And, and so he doesn't always explain why bad things happen to good people. He doesn't explain why you're going through the, the, the issues that you're, going, that you're dealing with, that you're going through. But I want you to know he's in the middle of that trial with you. That your hurt is his hurt. And the pain that you're feeling is that same pain that he's feeling. His heart breaks for you when you're going through something. And so I, I want to share one, one final thing with you that Eugene Peterson said, talking just about pain, talking about, about suffering in one way. And I, 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 hope, I hope you catch this. I hope you, you hear it. So Eugene Peterson says this. He says, when people go through suffering, their lives are often transformed deepened, marked with beauty and holiness in remarkable ways that could never have been anticipated before the suffering. So he's saying, your life will be changed as a result of the suffering that you're going through. So instead of continuing to focus on preventing suffering, which we simply won't be very successful at anyways, perhaps we should begin entering the suffering, participating insofar as we are able, 
entering the mystery and looking around for God. Looking around for God. And, and that's, I think, the thing I wanted to kind of share with you today is in, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of the trials that you're facing of many different kinds that, that James is talking about, that's not the time to walk away from God. But we need to look around in the middle of that and say, God, where are you in this? Because your promises have said, you're here with me. You're, you are in the middle of this trial that I'm going through. You are in the middle of this issue that I'm facing. God, I want to see you in this trial. I want to see you in this, this struggle that I'm dealing with. And I'm going to share one final scripture with you, and then we're going to close. And it's from Psalm 130, verses 1 through 2 and 5 through 7. And this is such a beautiful, beautiful psalm. He says, out of the depths, and in the New Living Translation, it actually says, out of the depths of despair, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. And, and I just... I absolutely love that. And I love the word picture that the psalmist puts there in, in verse six, where he says, I wait for you more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And I, I want you just to kind of picture this for a moment. More than the watchmen. God, I'm waiting for you more than the watchmen are waiting for the morning. Now th think of that for just a minute. Th think of like the, the night watchman who, whose job it is to kind of keep an eye out at night to make sure that, Nobody's going to come and attack us in the middle of the night. That their job is to kind of be up on top of the fence, up on top of the wall, looking over, making sure that, God, or that, that, that his people are protected. And you figure, he's tired, he's weary, you know, like he, he's, 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 he's pitch black all around him. He, he's in total darkness at, at this moment, this night watchman. And he can't see anything that, that's right in front of him. And, and imagine the joy and the relief in his heart when the morning finally comes and the sun finally starts to crack the horizon, light starts to fill the area. And he knows that, that when he finally sees the sun, he's going to be able to rest. He's been up all night and he's been surrounded by darkness all night long. And when he finally sees that sun crack in the horizon, now I'm going to be able to rest. Now, now, I'm going to be able to, to see clearly. Now I'm going to have relief because we made it through another night and we weren't attacked. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, I wait for you even more than the watchman is waiting for the morning to come. And, and, and I just, I absolutely love this because I want us to be looking for the sun in the same way that that watchman is waiting for the sun in the morning. Does that make sense to everybody? That that when we finally see him in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of our trial, we're going to be able to have rest. And when we finally see him, we're going to be able to have peace and relief knowing that, that we've made it through. And when we see him in the middle of that trial, in the middle of that suffering, we're finally going to be able to see clearly, just like the watchman when that sun finally rises up. And so I, I want to encourage you with this new song. If you're going through a trial, if you're dealing with some kind of suffering, some kind of pain, some kind of issue in, in your life, 
you can consider it pure joy. Now, we don't rejoice in the trial itself, but we rejoice in the fact of what God's doing in the middle of that trial. That God is still at work. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. That he is with you even in the middle of that. And so I want, I want, to, pray, I want to pray for you this morning. In fact, Newsom, I'm going to invite everybody to stand up for me right, right now. I just want to pray for you this morning because if you're not going through a trial right now, guess what? There's one coming. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is. But God will see you through it. God's going to do a work in your heart and in your life through whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through. The new song, if you would, just close your eyes. And let me, let me just pray over you this morning. And Father, we love you so very much. God, we thank you that you are good all the time. And God, we just want to praise you. And God, thank you, God, for your goodness in our lives. Lord, we want to thank you that you have never once left us nor forsaken us. God, that even in our darkest times, we know that you're there. God, thank you that you are our comfort in time of need. God, that we can look around in, in the difficult situations, in the hardships that we're facing, those difficult, painful seasons, Lord, that we can see you. God, thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted. Thank you that you're close to the brokenhearted. Father, that you're always there. And God, that you are working these things out for our good because we love you and we are called according to your purposes, Lord. And God, for those that are going through a time right now where they feel like the bottom has dropped out, where they just, they don't even see you at all. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will comfort them in such a supernatural way. God, that you're gonna provide peace that surpasses all understanding. God, that you are gonna supply every single need they have. God, that they're gonna have the strength to push on when their own strength has failed. Father, I pray that you would be the lifter of our heads. God, that when we are in the middle of, of a time of suffering, Lord, God, we don't rejoice in the suffering itself. But God, we rejoice in knowing that you're in it with us, Lord, that you are maturing us, that you are completing us. God, that, that, we, that you are gonna use our pain for some good. God, we might not see it in the moment, but we trust you. God, that you are gonna use this pain for some good. God, you are good. Your mercy endures forever, Lord. God, extend your mercy to those who are hurting. God, to those who are weary. God, extend your mercy to those who just need a touch from you. God, and we are going to be sure to praise you and thank you, God, for your goodness every step of this journey. Father, we love you. We look to you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. New song, I want to tell you, we love you guys so very much. And, and I want to, I'm, I'm invite our, our prayer team to come forward right now. If you are going through something right now, New Song, I want you to come forward and, and let, let us pray for you. We'll agree with you. We'll pray over you. We'll be here to bless you and join you in prayer. If not, I want you guys to have the best week of your life. We'll see you guys soon. Love you guys. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. 
You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.